Welcome to the one on one. When it comes to ratings, man, we number one. I get the truth, then I give them the scoop. If anybody got a question, I give them the proof. Welcome to the one on one. When it comes to ratings, man, we number one. I get the truth, then I give them the scoop. If anybody got a question, I give them the proof. Welcome to one on one at Legacy Lake Sports Network. Hello, everybody. Darrell Lawrence, Legacy Maker Sports Network. I'm so glad to have you all here with me. We've got episode 18 of One on One on the Legacy Maker Sports Network. And today with me, I have one of the guys who is one of the big time experts. You hear your Mel Kuypers and you hear, you know, you hear about the, the McShays of the world. But this guy right here that I have with me today, Mr. Joe Marino, the senior NFL uh, draft analyst for the Draft Network, uh, one of the best up and coming sites in the land is with me today. Joe, how you doing, brother? Hey, I'm doing well. It's good to catch up with you. Appreciate you having me on. I, I've been able to watch a few of the, uh, of the episodes before me, and uh, I'm pretty excited to, to jump in here and, and chat. Well, like I said, we're glad to have you, man. I mean, it's going to be fun. Uh, just excited because I'm a huge draft guy myself. So uh, I, I love the draft. And, you know, when we first uh, – I know I told you this in the past, but when we first started our network, one of the places that we kind of lean on learning and, and gaining knowledge and the scouting is from the draft network. So, and you are one of the guys that we, that we follow closely. So we truly appreciate you, brother. I appreciate that. And I'll tell you what, one thing about the draft work in general is it, it's, you're constantly learning and evolving and massaging your process. And so as much as, you know, it maybe looks like we have a lot of great ideas. I can't tell you how often we spend time looking at our own process and figuring out how to, how to perfect it. So, you know, it's, I think that's really, you know, not to, not to like uh, praise you for looking at what we're doing, but I think in mm -hmm. general, people that want to do this type of work, you can gain so much from tapping into other resources and learning about their process and finding out how to implement the best practices within that to really get your process right. Because Let's face it, this draft stuff is an inexact science, and as much no. <laughs> information as you can get to learn uh, to improve what you're doing, I, I think is, is best, and we, you know, we do the same thing. Well, I mean, like I said, you guys do a phenomenal job, and, and it's something that I, I'm not going to lie to you, definitely, definitely lean on. But before we get rocking and rolling, of course, we got to start off with the check-in. I want to check in and see how you and your family have been doing through uh, COVID. I know you recently had yourself a little girl, probably within the, la within the last year. So mm -hmm. congratulations on that. Uh, just tell us how you and your family have been handling COVID, navigating through in the process and just, you know, um, and just surviving out here. You know, it, it hit at a very interesting time for me personally. The, my baby was born on January 18th. And so that was a very normal process, but it wasn't long after that everything hit. And, right. um, you know, for me personally, my work has always been done from home. So there wasn't a big lifestyle adjustment for me other than introducing you know my wife and I our first child and so that was a unique layer to add to the thick of draft season if you will when you're really kind of digging in and 
uh, gathering information, finishing up scouting reports, those types of things. So to, to have an infant, uh, a newborn right away was, was a challenge. But, you know, for, for my wife, it was really great because she was home, uh, obviously, on maternity leave. And uh, that allowed, you know, us to kind of establish what life would be like with the baby. But, um, you know, what was interesting and somewhat of a blessing, I hate to say that amid a, a you know, very terrible time, right. uh, is that it, it allowed the, 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 the quarantine hit and it allowed her to have an even longer um, time at home with, with right. the baby. And, and so that we got, we're able to really establish, you know, our, our process and our rhythm of life. Um, but, uh, you know, we've, we've pretty much hunkered down, you know, we, we stayed home. We've really only hung out with close family, uh, right. within places that, uh, we, we, we know our controlled environments, our house, their house. Um, we took a, a, a little trip to the beach recently, but that was a family condo. And, right. you know, again, we kind of confined ourselves to just our, our space and stuff. So we've, we've been careful. Um, and, um, you know, we've, we've done the best we can to manage, you know, moving forward and doing what we need to do on a daily basis, but also being mindful of what's out there. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's uncharted territory for everyone. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely been a, a wild time. And I think for me, it's just, you know, the time that I had off from work uh, outside of uh, the network was just, I had a, a whole two months of just focusing on working on uh, the, you know, the network and working on that but the unfortunate thing is there was no sports. So it really had to, you really had to start pulling, you know, you know, digging deep, trying to figure out new ways of being innovative and bring people in, especially with a time when there's no this, there's no that. The draft hit itself at, a, at it was the best, the most watched draft in NFL history. We got all of that because of COVID. I mean, the people would have still watched it, yeah. but everybody was clamoring, um, you know, for that, uh, you know, when it hit, but, no, but I, but I ask you this, you know, um, you know, when you grew up, like, what, where do your love for sports come from? Like when you were young and you said, this is the moment that you realize, man, sports is for me. This is what I love. This is what I want to do. This is, you know, this is what I want to be a part of. I think it really stems from being born in Western New York in, in the Buffalo area. And, you know, sports, I mean, the bills, but also sports in general right. is knitted into the fabric of that community. It is part of everything you do. If you go to the gas station and you walk inside and you want to get a, you know, pack of crackers and a, a pop, they're going to be talking about whatever's happening in sports, right? Like it could be baseball, hockey, basketball, doesn't matter. It's part of that. And, and I think growing up in a community like that and seeing how important it was to people, I, I wanted to be part of that. I wanted to know what's going on with sports. And um, that, that fueled me to, you know, I think that the being able to keep up the, the desire for knowledge to be able to know, you know, players and stats and, you know, which teams are good and which ones aren't. And, you know, that was really a big part of what mattered to me right. at a young age. And, you know, I have uh, I have two brothers. And so we were, you know, naturally very competitive with three boys in the house, my father. And I think, you know, you, you start to play sports and, you know, we're, we're actually interesting. Like my brother's six years older than me and my younger brother is six years younger than me. So we were very much at different stages of life, but, you know, we, we all were still competitive and we wanted to, we wanted to be better football player than the other one or a better baseball player. And so you kind of take that natural competitive fuel and then just how important it is to that community. Um, you know, I, I, I just fell in love with following sports and then, you know, just kind of, as you get older, you figure out, well, how do I make a career out of this? How do I, how do I, 
you know, how does this become more than just what I like to do in my spare time? And, and, and so I, I, you know, it really just goes back to family and then the community that we lived in and how important it was and, you know, me wanting to be part of that. And so that's, and that, and that's where your passion for the draft came from, I would guess. I mean, you know, we talked a little bit beforehand about how important, you know, wanting to see your team develop and seeing what they could, you know, do and, and investing in trying to learn those players. But, you know, that passion for the draft, how did that all come about for you? Uh, you know, I know for me, it was just same thing, wanting to see how this Green Bay team could do better. Uh, how, how was it for you? Well, you know, I was, uh, I was born in 1986, so the Bills went to their Super Bowls 91, 2, 3, and 4. I was a young kid, right? My, my life as a Bills fan, you know, in terms of when I could really understand what was going on was after that, right? I mean, right. the Bills went to the playoffs in 95. They went to the playoffs in 99. And then that was it until 2017, right? I mean, a very much a, a struggling franchise. I mean, Jim Kelly retires. Marv Levy retires. And they never were able to, you know, pick up the pieces and turn things around. You know, look, and not everybody goes from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, my man. You don't get so, lucky. Look, so, I, blessed. <laughs> you better believe it. You better believe it. So, you know, I, I lived through that carousel of all these awful quarterbacks and just trying to find some hope, right? I love this football team, but I wanted to find hope. And the hope came in the draft, right? That's when you get these, these young players that have never been in the league before. And, um, you know, you feel like you, you get these new pieces that can change the narrative for your organization. And as, right. as I understood how important that was to team building, the more I dialed into that process and, you know, you, you start to you pay attention to Mel Kuyper on TV and all of a sudden you're thinking, you know, I want to make my own draft board. I want to make my own yeah. mock draft. And you just start doing it and, and it became, you know, started as, as, a, as a really just a hobby, something that I did no matter what, right, just was part of my – my yearly rotation of things I did was pay attention to the draft. And, you know, the next thing I know, I was able to, you know, network and establish a, a brand and a portfolio. And, you know, I get to make that my, my job now. And so um, really, I, I guess my fuel for draft work stems from being a fan of a bad football team and knowing how important <laughs> the draft was. And I wanted to know those players, man. You know, when the Bills made a pick uh, in the fifth round, I wanted to know that guy. Right, you know, I didn't right. want to learn about him after they picked it. I wanted to know who he was. I wanted to know if he was worth the pick. I wanted to have my own opinion. And so right. Uh, that's really where that fuel comes from. Well, it's funny because I think the closest thing that I have to you when, with the Bills is the uh, Seattle Mariners. I just, you know, the last 20 years have just been like, when are you ever going to make the playoffs again? Like, <laughs> I, was, I, was a, I was a junior in high school. I've told this story a trillion times. A junior in high school, that was the big 16, 116 win year, and <laughs> haven't sniffed it since. We got close, maybe we well, got close a couple times, but it was heartbreak each time. We couldn't, just couldn't get in. There was times we had a 20-game lead in the division to the A's a couple years ago, and then the A's came back and said, no, nah, we're going to win the division. <laughs> and, we, and we missed out on the wild card, but just a little bit. So I, I, that's probably the closest thing that I have uh, to I can say. I, I feel you on that. Uh, NFL-wise, I can't lie to you. I'm, I'm very spoiled. And I, there's nothing I can say. I'm just hoping that Jordan Love does pan out <laughs> to uh, be that next bridge and we can say, okay, say five, six years from now, we're like, okay, Jordan Love gave us just another, another extension of what we've been having. But we'll see in, in due time on that. Now, uh, Joe, of course, you know, the draft network has been booming the last couple of years, you know, and how did the draft network start and how did you get involved in that? Yeah, you know, I think it, it – 
the genesis of the draft network really stems before the draft network was ever thought of in, in, in a group of guys that were really passionate about the draft that wanted to do it for their job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really think about my time with Kyle Krabs, a close friend of mine. I mean, he was the best man in my wedding. I was the best man in his wedding. Um, we're close. We've, we've been hosting a daily podcast together for, I guess, four or five years now. And we right. always, we always talk about, okay, well, what, what, what can we do? What, what steps can we take to position ourselves to, you know, do this full time as opposed to just, you know, being the side project. And, um, you know, we, we knew that we wanted to do it. We knew that we wanted to give it everything we had uh, to see if we could find ourselves in that position one day. And uh, I think you, you, you start paying attention to people that are doing it full time. What are they doing? How can I mirror that? You know, what opportunities are going to exist? And kind of came to the conclusion that our best chance is going to be not necessarily getting hired by a main, you know, big company. It was going to be, okay, can, can we monetize this on our own right. and do it well enough that it can be all that we do? And, um, you know, we found some people that were a lot like us and through networking, we found the right uh, investors that were willing to, you know, invest in what we're doing in our vision. And, um, you know, we were able to really get things launched and, you know, we're entering year three and we're really excited about where we're going. We're excited about where we've been. And, um, you know, there was a, there was just before we really kind of pushed play on the draft network. I remember seeing a tweet that came out that said more people watched the draft that year than they did the NBA playoffs. (laughs) <laughs> and, and that crazy. I mean that was big that That's was big huge. for me I was like wow the NBA playoffs right uh, not to sound like Jim Moore there I felt like I did playoffs, <laughs> playoffs but, yeah. but but you know it's like one of those things like there's money to be made there that that's a business but no nobody was really doing draft in in the way that I felt it needed to be done well right. I mean everybody ramped up starting in January, February, and it was this nice three, four month thing that was relevant. But, you know, through, through understanding the process of what goes into scouting players and really knowing them and, and, and feeling like you've coming from an informed perspective, it's a year long process. It's not something you can do from January to April and feel like you've really scouted those players. It's a year long process. And we were right. like, how do we take this three month a year discussion that draws better ratings than the NBA playoffs and make it a year-long thing and make it a business. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of luck involved in our, in our path, but we've met the right people. And um, I think we've got a really exciting thing going. Well, I mean, like I said, the first moment I had a friend of mine who uh, is on our network now, and he's the one that grabbed my attention and said, man, you've got to check out these guys that are doing the work down for the Draft Network. And he sends me over this link, and I'm looking. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, so this is, for me, it was just like I'm able to go in here. I can kind of break things down. I can get a feel for it. It's, just, it's smooth looking. It's clean. You know, you've seen some of these sites, and they just look. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I know you're not going to bash, but I, I've seen some of it. I'm like, this is rough. But this, your, you know, the draft network itself looks smooth. And I'm not just saying that because you're on here. You know, I mean, it looks nice. It, it is well presented. And I can go in there and I feel like I can learn about people that maybe I can't get a hold of and I can't learn. But watching it or, you know, or going onto the site gives me a chance to try to dig a little bit deeper when it comes to players. So for me, I, that's just coming from my perspective. I, I love everything you guys have done there. I appreciate that. And I think it's you know, shout out to Rob Juden who uh, came on and really 
took the branding component to, to another level, redesigned mm-hmm. the logo, uh, come up with some really good graphics and, and you know, video type stuff and really polish things up to really get that type of presentation that we're, I'm really happy to say that you've, you've found. And so, you know, we, we've, it's all about people. I think anything you do in life is, is about surrounding yourself with the right people. Right. And, and I'm, I'm really proud of some of the guys and, and girls that I work with and what they're able to do because you know, look at the end of the day, I don't know a thing about branding. I don't know a thing about designing websites, graphics. That's not my niche, but I, I, could, I feel like I can scout players and talk football and, and write and podcast. And <clears throat> so you got to have to find your spot, right? <laughs> I can do those things. Yeah. I, so I, I definitely can contribute. It's a lot of people working together that have unique skill sets and, and, and you know, we were able to put together what, what you see. Awesome. Awesome. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for my favorite segment of the show. It is time for quick ones. All right, y'all ready for the Joe Marino edition of Quick Ones? I hope so, because it's about to go down. Joe, you ready? Oh, I'm ready. I love oh. being put on the spot, so let's yeah. do this. <laughs> All right, first one, Joe. Who had the best draft this year? Uh, the New York Jets. It, I, I love what they did. Uh, Mikai Becton, their left tackle, they needed to fix that offensive line. They took advantage of the depth of the wide receiver class, got Denzel Mims in the second round. Uh, Bryce Hall, a total steal late in the draft. Michael P. Ryan, I think, is going to be a great uh, backup running back for them. Cameron Clark was one of my favorite uh, small school offensive linemen. I think he's got a chance to, you know, be a starter for them within a couple years. They got my favorite punter in Braden Mann. You know, I'll tell you, this Joe Douglas. I don't love Adam Gase. I don't like what's going on a lot with Gase and the coaching staff, but I think Douglas did a, did a friggin' good job of getting some nice young players in. And they got the, the Florida pass rusher, uh, Jabar Zaniga. Yeah. You know, they, they got a lot of really, I think, high upside players at positions where they needed them. And I love how they took advantage of, I think, letting the draft come to them and, and playing the depth of it, right? They, they could have went offensive tackle or receiver in the first round, but they understood the depth of receiver and got right. Denzel Mims in the second round. I, th- I think they hit home run. Exactly. I, I'm not, I got to agree with you. And, you know, we talked when we first talked last year, the one thing we talked about was uh, was Bryce Hall and what we yeah. thought he was going to be the second cornerback off the board, obviously, or first or second cornerback off the board. And of course, injury derailed mm-hmm. that and they get this guy in the fifth round. So for me, I, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, wow, the Jets. <laughs> That's all I can say about that. Next yeah. one. Worst draft this year. Oh, the worst draft. Um Brother, I, I hate to say it, but it's the it's Green okay. Bay Packers. It's okay. Now, here's, here's what's hard. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> here's what's hard about that because I don't hate the Jordan Love pick. That's not where you're going to find criticism for me. You're investing right. in quarterbacks that you believe in. That's always a good idea. Right. Where, teams, where teams make mistakes with investing in quarterbacks is when they cling to the wrong quarterback. You know, that's where you get in trouble. But investing right. in quarterbacks is never a bad idea. I guess for, for me, I, 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 I can understand that, but – I thought they missed the boat with, with the A.J. Dillon pick, to be honest with yes. you. Um, <laughs> Dillon, look, he's a big dude, and he's really fast, and he's really physical, but that's not all it takes to be a good running back in the NFL. And I think that there's nuance required. There's timing required. There's the way you press the line of scrimmage to widen gaps and move the second level. I didn't see any of that stuff in his tape. He's a get the ball and go. If you watch Gus Edwards with the Baltimore mm-hmm. Ravens, right. this was the role that I liked for A.J. Dillon. Put him as, you know, uh, uh, kind of a, a fullback, 
give him the ball in quick hitters, create those runways, and ask him to get that 250-pound 4-4 speed going because that's what he does well. When you, ask, you, you make him think and process right. and make decisions, I thought he was really, really underdeveloped. So especially for the stylistic offense that they run, you know what I mean? Like, I liked Aaron Jones. I liked right. Jamal Williams. As, he's a really good pass blocker. I just – I don't know. I, I felt like that was missing the mark, and I, I didn't love the rest of their class either. Well, it, Although it, I did like the love pick. I, I, I'll tell you this. I, I, my, my mentality around it was I said, okay, I would have hoped in the first round that they would have went uh, inside linebacker. Yep. Uh, you know, Patrick Queen was there. Queen. Yep. Uh, and he, he was the one that I was salivating for. I was like, if we can get Queen, we can pick a receiver up in the second round, feel pretty solid there because with a, the, the depth of the draft, we would be fine. And, and if we went quarterback in the second round, I would have been fine with that as well. Uh, because it, we, let's be honest, the Green Bay does need a backup quarterback. I mean, there's not a handful of people that can name the Green Bay backup quarterback right now. If Aaron Rodgers goes down, there's trouble of brewing. They, they didn't bring in a veteran guy, a veteran veteran guy that you know by name or anything like that that can come in and, and maybe step in for Aaron. You didn't get any of that. So uh, for me, I love the love pick for the most part. I was hoping that we maybe in the second round, but I didn't think he was going to last that long. Uh, so the pick itself, I have no problem with. It's just I feel like if they'd have went receiver with one of the, the second or third round, he may have been all right. The tight end, the, the tight end that they drafted, I didn't hear that much about him. Uh, I spoke to Leroy Butler a couple of weeks ago, and he thinks he's going to be great. So, I mean, I guess we'll see. But for me, I agree with you. I mean, I hate to even put, put them in that group because, you know, they're, they're my squad. But I actually have to agree with you. It was really hard to watch. I was just like, man, because look, you look forward to the draft every year. Yeah. Some years you're like, yeah, this is what I'm talking about, guys. And then some years you're like, what is happening? And that's what, that's what I got this year was what is happening. <laughs> well, and I, I appreciated them investing some picks in offensive linemen, but I just yes. didn't like these offensive linemen. I will say if there was a redeeming pick for me in this draft class, John Garvin from Miami in, the, in yes. the seventh round, I had him as a top 100 player. He's got all the traits in the world. I mean, in terms of length, size, athleticism, he gives you everything. And his peaks on film were outstanding. He just got to find some consistency, but – that was one of the picks uh, late in the draft that I thought was was somewhat redeeming. Yeah, I think the only pick that I actually got correct was the Runyon pick. I had a feeling that they would grab him uh, yeah. if he was there late, and I, it's the only one that I got out of all of the picks. So I guess I'll take that and hang my head and hope that he has some type of career that his dad had. That's all I can ask if for. If he can have 75% <laughs> of that career, he'll be I, I would be solid with that. Yeah. All right, next one. Most underrated college player heading into 2020. Most underrated college player heading into 2020. Um, I'll tell you, I, I'll just go with the name that pops in my head. It's Chris mm -hmm. Rumpf, uh, defensive end, edge player from Duke. Uh, man, he's only 6'3", 225 pounds, but right. he is so disruptive. Uh, first step quickness, he's got really good hand usage. He's got, uh, he's got really good flexibility to corner and turn. I think you could play him all over the front seven. You want to play him on the edge, he can. I think he could play some Sam linebacker. Right. Duke had him blitzing the B gaps, and he's just really disruptive. And, you know, I, I think he's going to be tough to evaluate because I don't know how much bigger he can get. But he's one of those guys you just watch the tape and you say, let, let me get that guy on my team. We'll figure <laughs> it out, right? Like, he's, he's, he just really pops. And his dad is, um, is, is Chris Rumpf, who played linebacker at South Carolina. Ah. He coached in college from, like, 2002 – until last year, and he just got a job with the Houston Texans to be their outside linebackers coach. And you can see that football intelligence really just all over the place whenever you watch 
his son play at Duke. And, and um, you know, I don't know what type of buzz he has, but he's going to be tough because of his measurables. But I'm telling you, he's a football player. Awesome. Two more left and quick ones, and this one's going to hit a little close to home. But where do the Bills finish this year if we get football this year? I, I you know, look, I, I've always – I think I've always been able to be very objective with my – with my Bills takes. Heck, I just praised the New York Jets draft class. So if that's, if that's not this evidence to this you. This is true. <laughs> I think, I mean, we're talking about a Bills team coming off of a 10-win season um, and two playoff appearances in the last three years. There's so much continuity with the football team. 88% of their snaps from last year are returning. And I think you can argue that what they lost, they replaced with better options. Stephon Diggs is in the mix. Exactly. Josh Allen year three with the entire, you know, same coaching staff and players around him. I think it's the Bills AFC. I think the AFC East is the Bills division to lose. And that's even with the arrival of Cam Newton to the, the, the New England Patriots. I just feel like that Patriots roster is is underwhelming. I like what they have in the secondary. Right. I like their offensive line, but that's it. I mean, that that's really it when it comes to that roster construction. They have so much dead cap tied up into players that aren't on their team and it really strapped their ability to reset and, and reload in a lot of ways. And so, right. um, you know, I, I, I just, I don't know that they have enough on that team to win their 12th consecutive AFC East crown. And I think there's a lot of momentum uh, in the bills corner. And, and I think it's a well-coached football team under Sean McDermott. And I think they'll meet expectations and win the AFC East this year. I, I'm, I also agree with that for the most part, I got, I got the bills won. I'm going to give – this is just being – you know, seeing what Bill Belichick has been able to do. Um, I, I'm going to give them the number two. So, I'll give Patriots two, uh, Dolphins three, and then the, – I don't know. I want, to, I want to put the Jets higher. I really do. I like the job that Flores is doing down in Miami because they were supposed to only win one game last yeah. year, and they won five. Uh, so, I, I, I feel like they're going to continue to grow. So, before I had the, I had the Patriots finishing third, but I, the Cam will give them that switch at the moment. So I got Bills, Patriots, uh, Dolphins, and I'll, and then I'll go Jets. But I mean, I still think that Jets could make noise in that division. I mean, depending on how Donald develops, I, mean, I guess we'll see. I mean, I guess we'll see. All right, the last one, man, and this is my fun one. I like to give favorite sports movie of all time. Oh, Rocky Four. Ah, yeah, Rocky Four. Okay. Yeah, you know, as I always say that <clears throat> the Rocky series is it's it's a lot more of a drama than it is a sports movie. You know, Rocky right. just happens to be a boxer. But uh, Rocky Four is one of those movies, man, I've seen it, I don't know, 100 times. Every time I watch it, I'm still wondering if Rocky's going to lose that fight. Isn't it, it, And that's what makes it great. That's right. what makes it great. Every time, I was like, ah, he's not coming through this time. What happened? <laughs> he's, he's getting his ass kicked. He's, he's done. He's done. But I think you just get so many great emotions in that movie, like – the redemptive piece of it, the patriotic piece of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I just like following the saga to that point, you know, you feel invested in these characters and I felt like they just captured, it captures you on so many different levels and um, you know, the way that it finishes the drama of it. I mean, it's one of those that it's what stood the test of time for me. And it's one that I can always go back to. And like I said, despite how many times I've seen it, I'm still wondering. <laughs> is he going to pull, pull it off? Now, I'm still, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm still waiting for, though. I want to see Mike Tyson fight Rocky Balboa, but uh, I don't know if I'm going to get that. 
You may not get that. You may, you may <laughs> not get that. But I will say this. It's crazy because, you know, it's one of those American franchises. Probably it's got to be a top five American franchise. Should be. I mean, yeah. you, look, you look at, you know, Fast and Furious. I'm, 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 I'm going to let that fly. But you look at franchises like Star Wars and that. But Rocky has stood the test of time. They've been able to kind of reboot it a little bit with Creed. And yeah, it still like develop, develops the storyline. And you're still like, man, I'm, I'm interested in what Apollo Creed's son is going to be able to do. And can he carry on the legacy here? And, and it just, they've done a phenomenal job. I mean, um, you know, Sylvester Stallone, phenomenal job with Rocky. Phenomenal job. Yeah, no doubt about it. All righty, y'all. Joe, once again, I truly appreciate you coming on. And before we get off of here, it's time to leave your legacy. And we just want to know, do you have any projects uh, in the works? And what type of legacy do you want to leave uh, when you decide, I'm, I'm done, I'm done writing, I'm done doing all this. I just want to sit back and relax and retire. Uh, what do you want your, leg- your legacy to be? Well, so what I'm working on is obviously we're still plugging away at the draft network. We've, um, we've kind of reshaped a lot of our structure in terms of getting people more focused in on, on uh, niche type stuff so that we can really be experts at things. Right. So I'm, I'm focused heavily on the ACC and the AAC uh, scouting players. Obviously the draft mm-hmm. dudes podcast is daily on the NFL draft college football. And, uh, really the NFL. And then of course uh, I host the lockdown bills podcast, a daily podcast in the Buffalo bills. So, you know, my, my work effort is, is concentrated there. You know, it's interesting when you say, you know, what do I want my legacy to be? Um, you know, I, I think for me, I, I, I never want to be somebody that's super hot takey or uh, looks for attention just to get it. You know, and there, those, those people exist in the media world. I don't want to ever be that guy. I want to be somebody that people looks at and thinks about the opinions that I have, the work that I produce and say, you know what, he has a good process. He's educated. Uh, he's informed. And even if he gets it wrong, the process is defendable. And, right. Because and, you're going to get stuff wrong all the time. Exactly. All the time. But what did you do to get to those conclusions? That's why, it's, you know, kind of tying this back to a, a draft perspective, I don't really care about your list of player rankings. If you, if you give me your top 100 big board or your top 300 players, that literally means nothing to me. I want to know what you said about those players. You know, what did you say their strengths and weaknesses were? What did you think their ceiling was? That's what I care about. It's what you say about players, not where you have them ranked. And so I hope that people, when they think about my work, they they say Joe had a process and uh, he didn't get it all right, but he worked really hard and his opinions came from a very informed uh, position. But the other thing that I'll say about legacy, it's such a big word. And I think, I think for me, like, especially now that I'm a new dad, right? My, my daughter's a little over five months old. Like, I don't really care about anything other than being a great dad and a, and a great husband. You know, I think those two things are, are so much more important than anything that I'll ever accomplish in the football world. And I'm really proud of what I've been able to do. I'm really proud that I get to do this for a career. But nothing, and I mean nothing, is, is, is like being, you know, the husband to my wife and being my, da- my, my little girl's father, you know, that's what I want. So if, 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 if more than anything I ever said about football, I want people to say that that's a guy that loved his wife and daughter. Awesome. I mean, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't say it better myself, my friend. I, it's, I think a lot of people that that family aspect of everything. Yeah. You wanted, you want all those great accolades, you know, you want people to say, yeah, he's a phenomenal person, you know, phenomenal on this, but being known as a great father, being known as a great husband is, is something that has to be high on your list, especially as a man, because people look at us and say, you know, you have to provide for your family. You know, I mean, it's a different time in the world and, you know, women can provide just as well as a man too, but there's still that mentality out there that if you're not, if you're a guy, 
and you're not, you know, providing for your family the way you should be, or, you know, protecting your family the way you know you should be, you get, you get looked on differently. So for me, yeah, it's, that's a huge part of everything. Just wanting people to know is like that Darrell guy. No, that Joe guy, they, they, they knew what they were doing. They knew that they were all right. They were good people and, and they took care of their own. So definitely. Yeah. Like, I agree you want to change the world, man. Love your family. I believe exactly. It. I believe exactly. it. I think it's the core of so many of the things that we're facing as, mm-hmm. as a country and, I think it just comes down to the family structure and like good families that are strong that, you know, are, 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 they have focus on, on being kind and loving other people and caring right. about other people. And, you know, that's the stuff that matters, man, you know, and, 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 and I think that the family structure has been so broken, you know, the divorce rates are so high, the fatherless rates are so high. And, and I mean, just, there's so many things that follow when those things are true. And I want to break those narratives. I want to love my family well. And, and hopefully that will inspire, you know, I have a daughter right now. Hopefully there's more kids in our future, but hopefully that <laughs> the, the, the generation of Marinos that are coming up here, you know, that that becomes important. And I hope that that extends to, you know, lots of other people. And we can see really some of the, the issues that we're facing change, at, you know, and doing it from the core. And I think it, I think it comes back to families. Ladies and gentlemen, episode 18 of one-on-one on the Legacy Maker Sports Network. My man, Joe Marino. Joe, once again, I truly appreciate you coming on, brother. It has been phenomenal to have you on. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Thank you. All right, everybody. That is it for episode 18. Make sure y'all stay tuned. We got some big names coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Just stay tuned. We got more to come. We truly appreciate y'all. Until next time, I'm Darrell Lawrence, Legacy Maker Sports Network. One. One, 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 one. Welcome to the one on one, one on one. When it comes to ratings, man, we number one. I get the truth, then I give them the scoop. If anybody got a question, I give them the proof. Welcome to the one-on-one. When it comes to ratings, man, we number one. I get the truth, then I give them the scoop. If anybody got a question, I give them the proof. Welcome to one-on-one at Legacy Maker Sports Network.